Welcome back to How Would You Beat, where we discuss how you can use jobs to be done innovation methods to beat your competition. In this episode, we will look at how you could beat Peloton. Peloton has been in the news because they have made some big mistakes and even planned to lay off 40% of their sales and marketing team. Their stock's down about 75% since its peak. So can jobs be done methods help explain what happened to Peloton and how companies can avoid the same fate? And how would you beat Peloton in the exercise and health domain? So Jared, what happened to Peloton? That's a great question. So I have a Peloton. I love it. I got it around when uh, my twins were born because we knew we wouldn't be able to leave the house to exercise and we needed the most efficient <laughs> exercise experience we could, yeah. you know, money could buy. Um, and so, so we purchased it uh, pre-pandemic uh, when demand seems you know, pretty, pretty steady, I would say. The, the company was doing well in the markets. Uh, Post-pandemic, about, I would say, three to five months in from what I understand, demand shot through the roof. So gyms had been closed for a while. People were understanding we might be on lockdown for a significant period of time. And people started buying Pelotons like crazy. Stock price went up. However, they couldn't keep up with the, with the demand. The production uh, ended up behind. They were back ordered. People were waiting three to five months, sometimes six months to get their, their bikes. And so to meet that demand, they ramped up production. But by the time they did, the pandemic started to open up again. People started going back to the gym and they had too many bikes for not enough demand. So now they were sitting on inventory. They decreased price of the bikes about 400 bucks, uh, which didn't help their profits. And demand never came all the way back as the pandemic has opened and opened. So it's a really interesting question. How do you un appropriately understand demand and right-size your manufacturing with that? So, so what can jobs to be done tell us about this? Yeah, it's so many interesting questions there. And it actually uh, reminds me of Hayes Modem, uh, which people may or may not remember back in the days when I had a 1200 baud modem. Uh, <laughs> but the internet started exploding. And basically, Hayes Modem should have been you know, one of the most valuable companies in the world because all of a sudden people needed the device that's plugged into their phone line to get them on the internet. This is the days of, you know, you've got mail. <laughs> you know, you listen to the whole dial up crazy noise. Um, <clears throat> And but they went bankrupt. Uh, or they hmm. went out of business. I forget the the end result. But they they really struggled because uh, they had huge working capital problems. Um, and working capital problems are effectively in the job of optimizing cash flow, which ev every company has to do. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, you know, of a CFO. At the end of the day, companies are trying to create value for customers and then create equity value through cash flow. So. Um, so if you don't manage your cash flow correctly, you know, you can go out of business quick because you either if you're growing too fast, companies actually have what's known as a sustainable growth rate. It's the growth rate just inherent to their economics, their receivables and their payables and their profit margins, how much cash, how much growth they can sustain uh, before they need outside debt and equity financing. So that's a that's a problem on the upside with Hayes Model. The problem on the downside is, of course, in uh, Peloton's case, if the demand stops starts to drop, 
you're going to be stuck with a lot of inventory. Um, and this used to happen all the time in the seventies and eighties in, uh, in industries, but you know, in Silicon Valley, for example, when you had a lot of hardware and you had chips and then you'd have these big supply chain problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the solution in, in Peloton's case is, is really multidimensional, not surprising, but in each of those dimensions, there is something uh, where jobs to be done can help. Now, the first thing, and this is, this is why we, we do tell companies they should be constantly having a market pulse on customers uh, through some quantitative you know, survey mechanism to figure out what's going on around the customer's job. Because, uh, and we use this example a lot, where there might be something like a pandemic coming that could change the demand in your favor or go against you tra traumatically. Right. And, um, but that's, that's a huge macro issue that's ho hopefully very rare, rare. We don't have another one soon, and this one's coming to an end. But, um, but they're usually in markets too, whether it's your segment of customers in the markets you're targeting, there's something going on that you might not be aware of. And effectively, that's what happened with Peloton. They didn't, they didn't factor in, wait, there's this huge change. You know, Jared, you had twins and now you got to exercise at home. And all of a sudden you have this new demand for exercise um, equipment in your home to optimize your health, you know, that you didn't, that you wouldn't have considered before for whatever reason. Uh, and so that's why it's important to have, you know, a pulse on it. But then the yeah. other question is just generally the platform to, to use exercise as a solution to optimize your health. Are there market opportunities there that look different than Peloton? Peloton figured out one thing that was pretty interesting. People like to stare at a screen with other people and ride a bike. You know, <laughs> that was, that it was pretty innovative. Right. And they, they connected. Well, it was connected yeah, there were unmet needs there, I think is what's yep. pretty interesting about that. And so I think the way you just described it is kind of an interesting way to look at the segment they targeted. Right. So, so, you know, when I when I got my Peloton, we were at home a lot more than we ever were before, and we had to be because we had infant twins. You, you, if, if you even if you have one infant, you're at home a lot more than you are otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was true with a lot more people during the pandemic. They had to be home a lot more than they would otherwise be. And so if you think about maybe that's their target segment, right? People who are trying to get the job done of stay fit. And they have an unmet need uh, that they struggle with the job because they can't leave their home to do it at will. Um, and so they need to get this job done incredibly quickly. And, and that segment size predicts the demand of a Peloton and other at-home exercise equipment for that matter. And so I think if you understand your target segment that way, they struggle to get the job done because they can't leave home at will. That might help you better predict uh, where the demand is going, you know, as opposed to thinking like, well, you know, it's not because as we know, it's not the demand for a bike with a screen on it. Nobody wants yep. that, right? What they want to yep. do is stay fit. And the bike with the screen on it satisfies unmet needs for a certain segment of the population. So if you misunderstand that, if you suddenly think, oh, bikes with screens on it are on fire, everybody wants one of those, that's one of the things that could cause you to over-forecast demand um, and misunderstand what's going on in your market. Yeah, I think that's such a great analysis because 
um, you know, as, as we know from jobs theory that, you know, customers don't want a bike with a screen on it. They want to optimize their health and exercise. So I think there's so, so many ways you could approach competing with Peloton that have absolutely nothing to do with a bike and a screen. Of right. course. Uh, and there are, there are, I mean, there's the, the exercise market is just huge with lots of incredible solutions out there. There are, yes. it's an amazingly innovative market, but I think the thing that's interesting from a customer uh, perspective where customer value comes into hits Peloton's balance sheet and where companies can build more resiliencies um, into their business model that still creates customer value. And it really is the relationship between the customer's willingness to pay to get the job done and the frequency of getting the job done. Now, mm -hmm. exercise happens to be a market <laughs> where we know from 10,000 different studies that you got to exercise every day or, you know, at least like X number of minutes for X, you know, three or four or five days a week. Right. Right. There's even, I think there was even a recent study, which I was amazed at is like, could you exercise for five seconds? <laughs> and so it turns out it's it's it works like it does improve if you exercise for five seconds <laughs> i think that's really depressing because it probably means the entire country really really needs to exercise more um but but if you were so if you were to take on peloton and you wanted to use jobs to be done to beat them the way you would look at this job is really of course that functional job just achieve using exercise to optimize your health and uh, and you can even get very specific, right? So someone who has cancer, their exercise routine might be different than someone who's, you know, 20 something and super healthy. Um, uh, or if you have diabetes and you're trying to lose weight, you know, there's a whole set of conditions where your exercise routine is gonna be different than, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's or right. you know, whatever. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting way to look at the jobs and essentially segment customers. Because as you say, not everybody wants a bike with a screen on it. Right. And, and I think the, just to dial into what you just said about the different types of exercise you might achieve and different goals you have, it's, a, it's why we often use this word optimize for the high level goals, right? Because you're trying to achieve your fitness goal, whatever that may be, um, you know, at the, at the amount of effort that works for you. It's an optimization problem, right? Yeah. How, do I, how do I look the way I want, be as healthy as I want without it overtaking my life more than I want it to? Some people do want it to overtake their life because it's a hobby and it's fun for them. Some people want next to nothing to do with it. So the way to cover it for the whole population is you talk about it like an optimization problem. And that's why that yeah. word comes up so often in Jobs to be Done. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because you're always making trade-offs and optimization is, you know, about making trade-offs. And in fact, this Peloton example is a great example of optimization. You had to make trade-offs in a pandemic mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. having twins, right? You know, you 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 now have different constraints that require trade-offs. Right. So if before you were going to the local pool every day and swimming, you know, an hour, and now you definitely can't go to the local pool because it's shut down because of pandemic. And you also might not want the extra hour of like half hour of getting to the pool, half hour of coming home from the pool because you've got two kids and you don't have that hour and you might need to cut your workout to 15 minutes. Right. Um, I'm personally a fan of that, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, author of the four hour body it's an amazing book. Uh, he calls it the minimum effective dose. <laughs> and, you know, he, he is a very, very short amount of exercise time in a work week. Uh, but, 
Uh, but I do like that idea. I'm not, I'm not addicted to exercise. Like, you know, some people. Yeah. And, and maybe some people are satisfying social needs through their exercise as well. Right. Which is why going to the pool or to the gym would satisfy needs in that job for them. Um, and when they are stuck at home, the Peloton helps a little bit with that because one of the competitors has been taken out of the equation. So, and that's that other angle, right? Is there's a competitive situation here. Yeah. So, you know, the, the question is always how well do you satisfy that need in comparison to the other available solutions to the customer? Suddenly a whole set of solutions that satisfied a bunch of needs in this job were taken off the table, which were gyms, yeah. pools, public places where you can exercise. Yeah. And so the Peloton became the, the best uh, available option uh, in a market that was a little bit distorted, you know, uh, yeah. or, or at least just had a temporary condition at, uh, on it. Yeah, I think the way to look at that is the constraints on getting the jobs done uh, with the current platform were uh, changed, right? Uh, you literally couldn't go to a gym or a pool. Uh, right. And those are, those are uh, I don't know, I don't want to use that word artificial, but they, they certainly are hopefully temporary. So you can't bet the company and your growth and a huge amount of working capital on that temporary um, constraints because those will be removed. And what I think is interesting is if you were to compete with Peloton, one of the things that they uh, do is target those people who want to work out in groups and be motivated by another person. And that's obviously a big part about the market. It's why people sign up to go to yoga class or go to spinning class or, you know, or sign up for the Peloton classes. And it is motivating. You're like, okay, everybody work really hard and sweat. And so, but the, the motivation job is, is in on its own, really interesting to study. So, uh, because that as well is, uh, underserved and has big segments in it where people, the solution for them is not at all, uh, you know, go to a gym or be in a class. You know, yeah, some I, people don't I know like a lot that. of these people very, per, very personally in my family who would, who would not go to a class like ever, right. you know, right. certainly if you're an introvert, like being in a class with other people where you're like, how do I do this exercise? And am I doing it right? And, you know, it's like the anxiety inducing to sit there and like mm-hmm. do exercise. Um, so that's a big segment of the market as well. And then, uh, and then, of course, there's so many parts of the job that are still underserved because people are figuring out what to do to optimize their health given the exercise they need to do with the conditions that they have. Yeah. And I, I'm not aware of any solutions that attack the problem in that way today where you just type yes. in, I'm 250 pounds, I'm you know, 42 years old, I have cancer, and uh, I need an exercise routine. And right. that then that's just outputs and says, this is what you need to do. We're going to, op- the, the app itself is the intelligence to help you get the job done to stay in health. And it would include, how do you, how do you figure out where that, where, why is that person demotivated? You know, there's all sorts of things like, do they have the time in the day? What time of the day, given their circadian rhythms, are you a night person, morning person, where would they work out? Do they, can they allocate that, you know, all, do they have yeah. transportation? Can they <laughs> finance it? There's like a yeah. billion things in health that are so important to consider. And, this this is how you would compete with Peloton. You would right. take this approach to figuring out this segment of the market is really underserved and not going to buy a Peloton. 
Yeah, I think that's great. And and so that's one way, right? You get more of the of the job done, right? <laughs> so so you can satisfy unmet needs that Peloton doesn't touch right now. That's yeah, one and, way you and, can beat them. And more of that uh, related job, <laughs> motivation job. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you might right. know that you need to do push-ups, but <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're not doing them, you know, it's yeah, going to yeah, figure yeah. out. Or, yeah. and, and I think the gym... Is a, is a great competitor that showed that they could take share from Peloton at least um, because they, for the segment that had enough time, right, to, to really satisfy the social needs they had related to exercise, they would go to the gym where they could satisfy them better than at home on the screen. And so you, that's a segmentation question, right? You can choose a different segment to target. And that segment um, might be people who have more time. It could be the people who, as you said, uh, are introverts, which maybe they're a good solution for Peloton, or maybe you could do even better with the introverts and get them in a situation where there are no other people. Like there's not even a leaderboard and there's no high fives being sent your way. (laughs) You know, like maybe there are unmet needs uh, for for that segment. So I think the segment choice is a really good way uh, to go after Peloton. And what's great about this market, you know, these, this is one of the, the great markets because uh, almost everybody is in the market in some way, right? You yep. might have some non-consumers who find it too difficult to get motivated to exercise, to stick to a routine, and so they, they've opted out and they're not purchasing solutions right now, but they sure should, or ought to. Yeah. And so the number of customers in this market is just enormous. And so you can yeah, pull and, off segments and have great businesses. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to go after everybody in the same way, obviously. Um, and and that's a that's a really great point about Peloton. And also, how could they come back and compete in the market? And there's a few different things to say that I think can, can really help uh, focused on where the customer value creation is. Is one, who's the customer? So in in the gym example, they could be great customers for Peloton, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know people like Pelotons. They're in a group, and you can extend, have the virtual group on your screen while you've got a real group next to you. You know that right. they can be great customers. And I think um, I don't know, but I bet they they got a little bit <laughs> over enthusiastic about like we don't even need the gyms anymore because everybody's just buying direct from Peloton. Well, and, yeah, they had a studio model where they had their own gyms um, yeah. that got shut down during the pandemic. Um, and I don't know, I know they were distributing to gyms because I worked, lived in an apartment building in New York that had one. Yeah. Um, and I don't know to the extent that they continue to distribute to gyms or gyms yeah. stopped, just stopped purchasing because they were shut down for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, I think they obviously stopped purchasing during the you know big shutdown, but but that could come back. Yeah. Um, uh, but the other approach to this is this is the health domain. The other thing to define this as exercise would be incorrect, or actually incorrect right. might be too harsh of a statement, but it's inaccurate. It's not narrow. Enough. It's narrow where the health, because, I mean, (laughs) I I think it's like a law of physics that diet diet exercise is going to make you healthier. I mean, my (laughs) wife and I joke, there's like another story in the paper, you know, oh, diet exercise makes you healthier. So I think it's, (laughs) you know, it's pretty important. So exercise is part of health. Now there's the, there's the very small segment that's like elite athletes that are, it's not health, it's like competition. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's a different market. Market. You know, that is the elite athletes market. But in the broad population, because this is part of health, there are a lot of partners. And there's some of this happening today. But of course, our healthcare system has this, you know, 
this this function that it's responsive to when you get health problems. It's not preventative. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of effort to change this, but that is real opportunity because if you're looking at all the people that are in the health domain, all of the companies, all of the, the different job beneficiaries, the different job executors, the different payers like insurance companies, um, and even the government insurance programs and states, you know, um, and private employers and, you know, public mm -hmm. employers, like there's this a whole ecosystem here where dissecting that and it's it's not easy to figure out, but that's where jobs done can be really really helpful because it helps you manage that complexity. To say, okay, if we're going to really partner with insurance companies to go to employers to get them on a health plan that's using our X Y Z solution, whether it's Peloton or something else, okay, how does that work? And that's a situation that is an enormous market opportunity. I mean, we don't even need yeah. to do market sizing on that. That's it's just so big. It's a it's a percentage of that's the right. And what, what's interesting about it is it could be a stabilizer on their demand problem. Yeah, um, be, because it and it could also you know they're they're widely seen as a premium product for good reason. It's quite expensive. So instead of dropping their price, they get it subsidized, and that expands their target segment. So instead of just going after people with little time who are stuck at ho have to be home more frequently but still want to stay fit and can afford uh, this premium product, they can go down market um, with yeah. that subsidization and still remain profitable. So, so it's a, a strategic move that helps them expand their target customer base. Yeah. And the executing the job never ends. Uh, cause even if you, you know, you're a healthy 65 year old, I mean, unfortunately everybody dies. We haven't figured out that <laughs> problem yet. Uh, so it, it's ongoing and right. And that means you really can, if you think of your customer and what you're trying to do is help them achieve their goals to get their jobs done over their life, this is uh, the, the lifetime value of this can be enormous because as you move from your 20s, your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, obviously, you know, the type of exercise you're going to be doing is is going to be different. Um, yeah. And so it it is it is a really hard problem to figure out given all these different um, essentially categories of customers from job beneficiaries to executors to purchasers. But again, that's where if you were to compete against Peloton, uh, you, even before you came up with any idea of what the solution should be, should it be a spinning right. bike? Should it be an app? Should it be a set of weights or, you know, drugs or, you know, it doesn't, you, you take this uh, solution agnostic approach first and then find those market opportunities. And then if you are a company like Peloton and you wanted to compete like this, you have a platform already. So yeah. the other thing that JobSuite.com helps you do is say, okay, where are the platform extensions that we need to do? And Peloton's done some of this. I believe they have an app that you can just do Peloton exercises. You know, without That's right. Yeah, you, there's, a, there's a mobile app. There's a Roku app. You can do yoga. You can jog with it. They have a treadmill product, which had complications regarding a recall and some – uh, physical health uh, danger risks, uh, people injuring themselves on it. Set that aside for a minute. Uh, yeah. But they are expanding their product suite to help different people who want to exercise in different ways. And this makes a lot of sense. Th those are the, the bright spots where they could bounce back because one really interesting thing about this problem they have is that their existing customers are not giving it bad reviews. They love the product. Right. So they have done an extremely good job at satisfying unmet needs for their target segment. They just misunderstood how big that segment was and how many people had that, those unmet needs. And yeah, so, and that, 
Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and so the, the question is, how do you find another segment you can target with uh, you know additional features, different products? And they're trying, yeah. and I think they've made, made headway, but it's going to take a while for that to, to rectify the issues they've had with the, with the um, mistakes in demand forecasting. Yeah, so I think that's great. There's that's the two categories of problems, just to simplify it a little bit. Which is one, uh, where with their existing platform, which is clearly also just a software um, uh, and a network, which is great. Um, so that given that platform, beyond just the uh, bike and the treadmill, uh, where are their new customer segments and opportunities that would obviously be the most beneficial. The second one is the question we haven't addressed as much here, but is the, is the immediate problem they have, which is an internal job they need to get done, which is to optimize cash flow. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because um, not just for Peloton, but for companies that are trying to build solutions in this cash flow finance domain, why didn't they have just enormous flashing red lights on their dashboard? Like yeah. assessing cash flow is dynamic over time. You know, it's essentially your working capital. You've got cash coming in from your receivables. You've got cash going out from your payables. You've got debt. You've got a service. You've got employees and uh, um, payroll, et cetera. So those are those are all um, you know very standard accounting uh, definitions that get you to your cash flow position. But the market opportunity for that is, and we've seen this again and again, is to figure out, okay, well, why didn't the CFO of Peloton just have a giant red flashing light saying, you you are headed into some serious headwinds and some massive amount of risk that, by the way, is unnecessary. What's I think is interesting about, Jared, your comment that their customers are so satisfied. You know, no one's giving them bad reviews. And, and, and right. obviously, they probably have the metrics on, like, are people still using our bikes? Or did they just, you know, <laughs> the, the famous, like, dust collecting collection of exercise right. equipment that everybody has in their house? <laughs> um, so they know that. So those are opportunities to help those people get the job done better across the whole job, not just like while you're sitting on the exercise bike, right? And and I think they've done this, or, or maybe some of the other companies too, they get into nutrition is a good example of where, you know, since you're optimizing health, exercise, part of it, diet's the other part, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and even mental health. I mean, I know it seems wildly outside of the domain of a, you know, spin bike company to get into mental health, but it's all part of the domain. Well, they, they touch on that for sure. Like it's, it, I wouldn't call it a, a named program, but there's, it's very obvious when you do their classes that their instructors are either trained or just naturally good at inserting commentary about mental health and providing recommendations throughout the workout. So they're constantly connecting your sense of self and your confidence and your awareness and mental health with the exercise you're doing and trying to improve both at the same time. So it, it is, a, it's an outstanding product. Um, so it was, yeah. it was a bit sad to see the, these difficulties they had. You know, I think the, the optimized cash flow struggle that you pointed out is, is, is extremely interesting because it may, they might not have had that red flashing light because the forecasting uh, of demand was incorrect. So it made their yep. working capital look great because they were forecasting a higher number of sales than was correct. And that forecast is where, where the mistake was made and it could have been, you know, I don't work there, but 
perhaps it was this this segmentation question that wasn't yeah. totally understood. Um, and, and yeah, I, and I, I think yeah. that's a great point that when you're looking at customer segmentation, um, you really want to size that segment. It's right. an incredibly important uh, part of jobs theory, but just any any you know product development or um, growth investment, you have to look at the segment from the segment's point of view and their struggle to get the job done, not the traditional demographic segments, you know, male, female, old, young, high income, low low income, you know, those usually don't tell you what the real segment is. The segment of the people who are struggling. And in this case, you had a new segment of a group of people who were struggling because they, they couldn't leave their house. They had twins. It's a pandemic, you know, all that stuff. But what could, what you could do in that segmentation is really identify the people, the, the real segment independent of the pandemic who are, are, are struggling in a way uh, across the dimensions of the job that it's obvious they would put something in their house. They would buy another piece of exercise gear. Right. 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 I, I'm not in that segment. I, I, right. I really love like – I like gear in other markets, but just not exercise gear. <laughs> yeah. So um, – you could figure that out and you could count and know how many people uh, at least have a higher probability of understanding that segment and its struggles accurately. Right. And then that becomes an input into that cash flow equation because you would recognize we've got this really big temporary explosion in 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 our <laughs> our regular segmentation analysis. Yeah, and perhaps and we're reaching is, a saturation uh, point, right? Where yeah. we've got – 30, 40% share, and we shouldn't expect to get too much more. Yeah. And I think that would be, that's a really fascinating way to look at it. And again, this is why we recommend to companies just keep this market pulse uh, survey, you know, going all the time because you can get really good, uh, you know, near real time data on what's happening here. And what, uh, Jared, I think you've got a great analysis there. We, it's a hypothesis. We'd have to actually go get the, the data on this, but it's knowable yeah. that the segment of people that they were targeting uh, became saturated, but they believed the segment was larger because of this temporary um, artificial constraints on getting the job done with the gym mm -hmm. outside the house platform. Yeah. So everybody was forced over to the uh, in-house platform. And that could have hidden the fact that their segment without the constraints was saturated or right. starting to be harder. You know, if you start to take 40% of a market <laughs> or sometimes even 30 or 20, it's harder to get that incremental other share because you've got competitors and you've got people who are using alternative solutions and you have to really add a ton of customer value. Yeah over and beyond to take that share. And generally what will happen is there'll be another platform that you need to go after because, right. you know, no one has a hundred percent market share of, of any market. Right. Um, even though it, it might seem like Google has close to hundred percent of search, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it does seem like there's some duopolies. It's quite high. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really fascinating stuff. And I think that hopefully this helps people, you know, get a, an idea of where jobs to be done can be applied across different customers and different external problems, different partner problems, different internal yeah. problems. And Peloton happens to be one of those great examples where I think they, they literally had all those problems. Oh uh, yeah, it's an incredibly complex situation. And, and, you know, we left aside the whole fact that their, their hardware is complex to manufacture 
And once you get that engine going, probably difficult to slow down production uh, without cutting exp- um, employees who you've trained and invested in, right? And then it feels like uh, you've got sunk costs there and you could fall into the sunk cost fallacy of like, you know, how, how do we get rid of these people um, and ramp down production yep. when we've invested in so much in making it happen? There's, there's a lot of complexity in this problem. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up. So, and people um, have suggested that Apple would be a good acquirer for Peloton. Uh, you know, Apple's clearly invested in health jobs. I mean, it's a big part of uh, recent launches around the watch and the phone. Um, rightfully so. It's doing some interesting stuff, you know, great stuff. But what I don't think they get is the Peloton is just an order of magnitude different supply chain size, scalability. Like, I don't think that's something perhaps Apple would get into that. But I bet if you did this segmentation analysis, the people, uh, you know, Peloton is tiny compared to Apple, you know, obviously. So to to make a to have it be a rounding error in Apple's revenue <laughs> would would really be extraordinary. Now they've done some interesting stuff, right? They bought Beats, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that that really does get into Apple's core media, you know, uh, production tools, yeah. and now even in media production itself. Absolutely, and they're, they're competing the on that front with Peloton, which is interesting, right? You know, you mentioned that. Part, a big part of Peloton's platform is the software and the content. And Apple is now creating content. They have a health app where you can download workouts. Some of them are walking, some of them are jogging, and they narrate you through them. So they're competing with Peloton. And if they can do that without creating a large piece of complex hardware that's a very likely very expensive to ship around the world um, and is only attractive to a small segment, then they can do so in classic Apple fashion at extremely high margins. Um, If they're, if they're taking away, you know, customers from Peloton uh, with only content and software, that is a much more profitable play. And if I were Peloton, I would be very nervous about that. Yeah, although let's end this this episode on how would you beat Apple in health <laughs> because it's related to Peloton. They're competing with each other, so who's going to win? Yeah, and my view is there's still enormous opportunity because even what Apple's doing, there's some truly you know good innovative stuff. The step counter, you know, the circles, and those are great kind of health interface uh, innovations, which is not surprising. Apple is very good at interfacing. Um, but what I would say on the functional job, if, you know, Apple created, and I honestly, they may have had some updates to it. When it first launched, I check it out. And it was, it, it was indistinguishable from Peloton classes. It was yeah. a different instructor in a different environment. And of course, it looked beautiful because Apple, you know, does everything that looks beautiful. But it wasn't fundamentally different. You're still doing jumping jacks and sit-ups and trying to be motivated. That That is not the area of the job that I think needs innovation. And that's what Jobs to Done would really reveal. Like, how would you compete with Apple and Peloton, even if you were a startup or you're another kind of exercise platform? Uh, clearly, software is involved in it because software is you know everywhere because this is a job that requires metrics and measurement. And so software is very good at that and decision-making. But there's, there's a lot of opportunity opportunity left on the table that oh, yeah. Apple and Peloton are not addressing either of them. Uh, yep. So I think 
that is how, at the end of the day, you would compete with Peloton and Apple. And of course, hopefully at the end of the day, they'll, they'll figure it out too. You know, we all want the solutions to keep everybody healthy. And certainly, you know, in the U.S. and throughout a lot of the world, we need a lot of innovation in health and oh, exercise. Yeah. So hopefully this will help companies along the way who are helping customers optimize their health. Yeah, I think it's a great place to end. Thanks, Jay. Great, thanks. And don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast uh, and check us out at thrv.com. <laughs>